Welcome to Find Myself Free, the podcast. I'm Ellie Young, alcohol-free life coach, mom, and athlete. I'm dedicated to helping others change their relationship to alcohol by sharing my journey of transformation. Fascinated by my own capacity for change after decades of gray area drinking, I'm passionate about sharing what I've learned from neuroscience and positive psychology to help you break free from the drinking cycle and unlock your true potential. Hear my personal stories of triumph and struggle as I navigate raising two boys, finding myself after 40, building a business, and doing it all alcohol-free. From women's health and cycle syncing to fasting and biohacking, this podcast is your roadmap to a healthier, purpose-filled life that starts with changing your relationship to alcohol. It's time to embrace change, find balance, and create the life you were meant for. Welcome to Find Myself Free. What's up, everybody, and welcome to Find Myself Free. Today, I'm going to be talking about surviving the holidays alcohol-free. So this time of year can be really, really tough uh, if you're just starting out uh, going alcohol-free or maybe you just want to cut back for the holidays and not drink so much because it can be a pretty heavy drinking season, right? Um, And if this is your first time going through this season alcohol-free, I'm sure you have a lot of fear. I mean, it's definitely, there's so many different factors that can make this, this time of year really, really tough. There's countless parties to go to. There's lots of expectation. There's lots of tradition. There's lots of family. There is all sorts of reasons why the alcohol just gets kind of embedded into the experience of this time of year. And it's really, really hard to separate the two and imagine yourself having a really good time without alcohol. But can I let you guys in on a little secret? Like, to be perfectly honest, my favorite holidays, the holidays that I have got the most joy out in my adult years have been my alcohol-free ones as of late. So this year will be my third year going through the holiday season alcohol-free. And I have to say the last two years have been my all-time favorite. Um, I'm a mom. I have two boys. They are now 12 and a half and 10. So I had a number of very, very, let's say I would, I guess you can call them drunk, drunk holidays with my children. And the last two where I was completely sober have been my absolute favorite. And um, that was a big shock to me. I, I definitely went into this holidays thinking that this is going to be no fun. Um, how, how could I participate in all these traditions? How do I hang out with all my family and everybody's drinking? My family were, were big holiday drinkers. Um, there's a lot of traditions around alcohol, specifically around Christmas with my family and, um, trying to like step out of that, I thought was just going to be, you know, awful. And instead it ended up being my best years. I think it allows me to reconnect with that childlike joy about what the holidays are truly about. And I started to remember all the different things that make the holidays fun again. You know, it really, alcohol isn't what makes the holidays fun, right? It's tough to separate the two, but when you really investigate it, um, alcohol is not what is bringing all the people together at this time of year. It's not the reason you get time off of work and time off of school. It is, um, you know, a lot of times you 
go to these um, unique places. Maybe you're going skiing. Maybe you go, you know, any, you know, whatever type of weather you get wherever you are. But um, usually, you know, you do these special things and it's not because of the alcohol. We believe the alcohol is going to enhance these, these things, but it really, when you really, really investigate it, it is not the alcohol that is creating this holiday experience, but we just have not separated it for a really, really, really long time. And so I'm going to help you today. I'm, I'm giving this to you that hopefully you can save it. You can come back to it. Um, maybe when you are entering into that, that Thanksgiving this year or Christmas or New Year's and you need a little pep talk, okay? Because what I'm going to do today is we're going to investigate the top beliefs that keep people believing they need alcohol to enjoy the holidays or believing they need alcohol to tolerate the holidays. Because I, I know that family can be in especially triggering and there are people that you might be drinking to tolerate, right? Tolerate experiences, tolerate people. And I know for a fact, yeah, I can definitely attest that there's there's some experiences in my holiday scene that I, you know, don't love. And so we drink to tolerate that stuff, right? So um, we're going to go through those right now. Now, the first belief that most people, you know, can't separate from with the with the holidays that I need alcohol to enjoy myself. There are so many, there's work parties, there's family parties, there, um, you know, there's team sports parties. I know I have to host a party for my son's soccer team. And um, we think like, I am not going to enjoy this if I'm not drinking. So let's, let's really investigate that belief. So you, you're aware that you think I'm not going to have any fun if I don't drink. Okay, let's poke a couple holes in that. So what, what is true about this? So do you think that if you don't drink, you're not going to have any fun? Most people are like, yeah, I definitely, that's what I'm thinking. So we, we have, we are now victim to this thing called confirmation bias. So when your brain is already anticipating, I'm not going to have any fun at this event, your brain is going to look for reasons to support that. It's going to go out and try and find the evidence to say, yep, this isn't any fun. This sucks. I'm bored. You know, it's awkward. I don't have anybody to talk to. Everybody else is drinking. I'm not drinking. This feels weird. And so you set yourself up, you prime your brain to already have a negative experience. So if you tell yourself, hey, I'm not going to be drinking, but there's a lot of other things that I can enjoy here. And you just crack the door open on that possibility about like, hey, what else is good here? Like when we were children, we didn't go into the holidays thinking, man, I need alcohol to enjoy this. There was a lot of things we were excited about and looking forward to about the holidays. It was like a special time of year. Everybody was in a, a you know, a fun mood. There were fun parties. There's all sorts of stuff. And it didn't have anything to do with the alcohol. So when does that switch? Like that belief at some point gets conditioned into us. And we think we cannot enjoy these holidays without this substance. And that, you know, it is not your belief. It is like a cultural belief that somehow gets embedded into us. And then all of a sudden we can't enjoy ourselves without this thing. So we're just going to get really, really curious about this belief and start kind of poking holes in it. You know, is alcohol responsible for the joy? Hmm? No. There's fun people. There's people you haven't seen. There's maybe there's costumes, like there's ugly sweater parties. There's silly things. I know um, 
we have done a, a pimp miss party. One year I held a pimp miss party, which was pretty funny. Everybody came in like naughty um, Christmas outfits. And that was pretty funny. And yeah, there was a lot of drinking going on at that party. But was that what made it fun? No, the costumes made it really, really fun. All the people made it really fun. We had a lot of good food. We played ping pong. We had good music. So all of these things are still there. It's just the alcohol that you're removing. And we give alcohol so much credit. We say, oh, this party was really, really fun because everyone was wasted. And it's like, no, this party was fun because of all those other things I mentioned. Alcohol was there, but like, all of this other stuff exists. And so you really have to get really good about like teasing that stuff out and say, okay, can I really enjoy these things without the alcohol? And the answer is yes. Um, and the thing is, you have to also poke holes in it. Like, is it really, really fun to be hung over throughout the holidays? As a mom, I can tell you some of my worst hangovers have been on the holidays because you got to perform as a mom on the holidays. You don't really get to like relax and take it off. I mean, Christmas, for example, is definitely one of the more challenging holidays for, for a parent, for a mom, because you are, you know, you, there's so much expectations around creating this like magical experience for your kids. And so I can tell you some of my worst hangovers were on Christmas day. And it's because I had to stay up late. I had been drinking with my family. We had been celebrating. We'd been partying and all of the traditions of like, you know, leaving the notes for Santa and pouring the milk and leaving out little snacks for his reindeer and things. We would try and do that. But I was always sloppily going through it. I wasn't, you know, this like beautiful, you know, Christmas Eve mother. I always had my cocktail in hand and I was, that's how I thought I needed to celebrate this stuff and enjoy myself. And one year, this was actually, I'm going to tell you a story about the, my worst Christmas was um, the Christmas of 2020. It was COVID and it was the first Christmas that I wasn't going to get to spend with my parents because they are far away and normally they fly down and we were all too afraid to travel. I was too afraid to bring COVID to them. We were considering driving so that we wouldn't go through the airports. We were going to do a big road trip up. Uh, to see them, but my husband threw out his back and was basically like bedridden. He was like on the floor, like on his back. Um, so we were in a bad place. Like we hadn't seen family. I was drinking daily. My husband was drinking daily. He was drinking. To, he was depressed because of his back. I was trying to like keep everyone, pretend like this holiday season was still fun. And I was drinking heavily because I thought that's what I needed to try and like pump the magic up into the holidays. And, um, you know, my kids, I think they could sense the tension and the, the, you know, the sadness and stuff. And I just kept trying to like make it more fun by me being drunk. I was like, I'll be fun, mom. I'm going to be, you know, still playing all the Christmas music, doing all the things for them. And, and we were just alone. We were alone on Christmas. And it's the first time I'd ever not spent a Christmas with my family, with my parents ever my entire life. Even as an adult, we always got together on Christmas. Um, and so this, this Christmas Eve, my, I finally got the kids to bed and I was trying to set up all the the things that you want ready for them on Christmas day, all the toys and, and whatnot. And we had gotten them skateboards and I was trying to like lean the skateboards up like against the fireplace in this way. And I stood, I kind of like, like drunkenly knocked them over 
and it knocked the the milk they'd left out for Santa and it spilled all over their Christmas list that they had left on the floor. Now, I didn't know what to do because I was like, I can't, I can't like throw their Christmas lists away. I have to like leave them there. So I tried to clean it up as much as possible, but I basically just left their lists there that were kind of like soaked to the floor. And um, the next day they were like cemented onto the floor. I like, and I, and I didn't even bother to clean it up. I think at some point I had to use like a razor blade to scrape their Christmas lists off the floor because I had just like left them there. And it was just like a sad reminder for the like days and weeks that went by that the the lists were still just kind of like glued onto the floor and I would try and scrape it up and peel it up and stuff. And it was just, it was just not my finest moment. And then that Christmas day, I had to assemble Legos. I had to put a bunch of batteries and toys with, you know, the little tiny screwdriver. And then I had to, um, I had to program an Apple watch for one of my kids. And that was literally like hell. Like it, I I had the worst headache. I was sad that my parents weren't there. We were trying to FaceTime them and like include them and they were sad. And it was just a, a, a bad time. And I think my husband was just like bedridden, like laying down somewhere, trying to like stay out of pain with his back. And I'm like trying to keep the family happy on Christmas day. So that was one of my, my darkest saddest Christmas. And I was like, why, why was I drinking so heavily? Why did I think that that was going to help me? And I didn't really think about it. It was just an impulse. It was just a way for me that was so subconscious uh, as far as like, I feel like shit, I'm trying to be happy. And I thought the alcohol was going to deliver that. That was my impulse, but it ended up making everything so much sadder. I was so hungover and And then I had to, you know, it was just, it was so much worse. So there was nothing fun about that. So when you are investigating whether or not alcohol is going to make your holiday more fun, like think back to my story and think back to your own stories about how many times you've been hung over on a really, and a holiday that's, that's supposed to be about joy and family and connecting and tradition and all these things. That's what it's about. And alcohol it actually detracts from that. Not only let's let's talk about biochemically, but you're like, no, it's gonna it's gonna be more fun. And you know what? You just had too much to drink there. And so that I always go back to like when I believed I could moderate, and that it was really just a matter of me drinking less. And but what what exactly is that less amount? You know, it's different for everybody. Sure, okay. But like, and when will you know you've hit it? You know, when will you know, okay, okay, let's say it's two drinks. Let's, I have my first drink and then, okay, now I know, okay, now I can only have another one. So I'm, I'm fixated on this. I'm thinking, I'm obsessing about like, I've had my one drink. How, how much time is left in this party? I only have one more drink left to spend. So should I spread them out? Like, when should I have it? And how do you titrate it just exactly so that you get the perfect buzz, but without any of the terrible side effects? And unfortunately, biochemically, what's going on in your brain it's going to boost your dopamine. Yes, you're going to feel good. There's going to be a buzz for about 20 minutes. And then your blood alcohol level starts to fall. And it actually, the uh, neuropeptide is released called dynorphin that is correcting for that dopamine high. It is designed to pull you lower and it actually makes you feel worse than where you st- when you started. You go up 
And then the dynorphin pulls you down and it leaves you below baseline. So we recognize that as the buzz wearing off and we go, okay, I'm going to have my second drink. But this time that second drink actually doesn't ever give you as good a buzz because the brain is adapting. It doesn't want you to get out of balance that much. So it gives you less. You don't feel as good with that second drink, but yet the dynorphin is still in your system and it releases even more and it pulls you even lower and you are left feeling worse than when you started. A lot of people just continue to drink so they don't really recognize this habit. I mean, this pattern happening and they get so drunk, they don't really recognize that they're actually feeling lower than because your your prefrontal cortex is taken offline. So if you don't believe me in this biochemical science experiment here, I want you to actually try it yourself. I want you to try a mindful drinking experiment. If you can sit down tonight, whenever you're going to have your your next drinking night, before you drink, I want you to capture how you feel right before you drink. Capture that anticipation about like, ooh, I'm really excited to have my first drink. What do you think it's going to deliver? What what answer do you think it's going to provide? Like maybe you're stressed out, maybe you're annoyed, or maybe you're just like excited. Like I want to, I want to have a buzz, like whatever it is, capture all those emotions. And then I want you to like have your drink and then wait 20 minutes before having another drink and just wait it out. I want capture how you feel. Did it deliver? Did it, you know, 20 minutes later, I want you to sit down and write again, like, or, or video yourself, do anything, but capture it and say, how do you feel now? Did the alcohol deliver what you thought it was going to do? Do you feel better? Do you feel funnier? Did it relieve your stress? Did it solve any of the problems that you were running from? Capture it all and then um, have have that second drink, okay? And then, you know, capture how you feel. So go through this experiment and if you can really separate how you're feeling and how the alcohol is making you feeling from whatever else is in the environment, because a lot of times people think, oh, I'm having a lot of fun drinking, but is it the alcohol that's making you have the fun? Or is it like maybe you're with your best friend and that's a lot of fun. Maybe you're doing something that's actually a lot of fun and you're thinking you're giving all the credit to the alcohol. So usually if you if you can do this experiment kind of like in isolation, like by yourself at home and just test it out, say like, okay, how does this first drink make me feel? And then how do I feel 20 minutes later? How does the second drink make me feel? And how do I feel 20 minutes later? And if you keep drinking, and you can keep capturing as much as that as possible, record yourself, record yourself. A lot of times you think you're having a good time and, um, you know, you look great and you're funny and you're sharp and you're articulate and everybody's loving you. But if you ever have seen, if you ever seen a video of yourself or pictures of yourself after you've been drinking, you're kind of like, Oh man, that was me. I thought I was, I thought I was looking pretty sharp that night. I thought I was, you know, sexy and funny and articulate and you're like you see a picture of yourself and you're like half masked and kind of uh. I used to always kind of get this like one eye one eye look where one of my eyes would kind of droop a lot of my friends nickname me one eye so um yeah that was a really sexy look so anyways if you can experiment with yourself and capture capture this it's a really really helpful experiment to just understand how it is really affecting you biochemically what it does to your mood, what it does to your overall, you know, how good you feel. Um, so that's something I want you to explore. And then, okay, so we know we're aware of this belief. We think that we need alcohol to survive the holidays. We're investigating, we're kind of poking holes in it now. And now we say, let's rewrite that belief. 
Let's rewrite it, rewire it, and replace it in our brain. Okay. So maybe I don't need alcohol to enjoy the holidays. It doesn't, maybe I, maybe I can have fun without alcohol. So whatever little statement you can just plug in there, that's kind of the opposite of what you originally thought. Like, I don't need alcohol to have fun. Let's see what I can do. So when you crack open that door of possibility in your brain now, you're like, you start to imagine what would be fun about this experience without alcohol. And what I love about this is that it doesn't have to be the same stuff. You don't have to do the exact same things that you would do and just not drink. You can reimagine your holiday experience in a whole new way. And I think that's why I've loved my last two alcohol-free trips around the sun holiday experiences because I have completely reimagined what I want that time to be like with my family. I am not so preoccupied. Like, you know, we live just outside of LA and I'm like, what are some cool things we can go do in LA? I used to think, oh, I can't, I don't want to do that because that requires us driving far. And I don't want to be drunk driving with my family in the car. And I also don't want to have to like take an Uber with my two little boys in the back of the car. Okay. So that's out because we both want to drink and we're definitely not going to go anywhere where we're going to want to drink and then not be able to drive our family home. So we were always really strict about, you know, not drinking and driving with our kids in the car, but it also completely limited what we did and where our experience would go. I remember one year, my sister wanted to go to like Korean barbecue up in LA and I had like two little toddlers and I was like, how are we going to do that with our whole family and my whole, you know, what's funny is like no one in my family even considered drunk driving. They were all like, yep, let's go up there, drink a bunch of beers. And then we'll all drive home. It's like 40 minutes on the road. And I've got like my two babies in the car. And I was like, I guess I, I guess I'm the only one who won't be drinking. And like, I, I took that one for the team. And, um, and then I was miserable. Right. Cause I was like, well, I can't drink, but, and look, look at that. I limited my experience because I thought I couldn't have fun at Korean barbecue over the holidays with my family because I wasn't drinking. So I, because I showed up in that environment, I showed up with that belief. I preconditioned my brain to not enjoy myself because I was like, oh, I'm not drinking. Um, and so when you can reimagine this idea that like, I can actually have fun, what do I really love about the holidays? What, what parts of it are actually really, really fun for me? One of my first years, alcohol-free, we, they do a big fireworks show here. And um, there was like an, an adult drinking party happening. But I didn't want to go to it because I was like, I just, it was my first time. And I was like, I'm just not really in the mood for that. So instead, I took all the kids. I took all the kids of all the friends that were going to that party. And I put on a stupid elf costume that I love to wear. You're going to see it if you follow me on Instagram. I bust out my little Santa's little helper outfit. And I made Christmas cookies with all the kids. And we had like our own Christmas party. And I ate a bunch of treats. And we decorated a bunch of cookies. And it was awesome. And I really felt fulfilled by that night. I didn't feel like one, I was missing out by not going to this party. I really felt like I maximized my joy and the joy of the kids by doing that instead. And um, and so that's the kind of stuff you need to start exploring and creating possibilities in your brain. Like, what do I actually love about the holidays? Like, I love to go sledding. So I made sure that like, I'm definitely going to go sledding with my kids, um, you know, a couple Christmases ago, like, I make time for that. And I do this stuff. I don't, um, I don't limit myself by thinking about all the parameters of what drinking used to put on an experience used to be like, well, you got to be able to safely drive. You got to, um, 
a lot of times you end up being too tired to go do other things or kind of cranky or you end up overeating a bunch of bad food, you know, whatever it is, it, it totally puts, you know, blinders on you and also like parameters on your experience. So opening up the door to what else you can do over the holidays instead of drinking, it's, it's kind of mind blowing. And I really, really thought I would miss it. And the, one of the biggest things I learned is that not only was I not missing it, I, when I was drinking is what I, I was missing the experience. I was missing connecting with my children and, you know, connecting with the family that I don't get to see that often. And because I was doling myself down and I was over drinking and I was hungover and I was, you know, not sleeping great and the holidays, you know, as they, they go on and on and on. Right. So eventually over time, you're just like, you need a holiday from your holiday, right? Because you've just not been sleeping, you've been overeating, you've been over drinking, and you just are like pickled by the end of it all, right? So reimagining your holidays to be what you want it to be and to to open yourself up to that childlike joy again and connecting with the things that are like magical about the holidays. That's what I want you to do. And then and then you evaluate this new this new belief. You're like, okay, I don't need alcohol to have fun. I can reimagine this holiday in a really, really cool way, doing things that I really like to do. How does that now feel in my body? Well, that feels really, really good. Instead of going into this holiday season dreading it and like feeling like I'm gonna be deprived, I'm not gonna enjoy myself. I'm actually anticipating like I'm gonna do all these things I used to do as a kid. I'm gonna like have so much fun. I'm going to feel great. I'm going to be able to exercise. I'm not going to be overeating all the time because I feel like shit. Like reimagine it and think about all the things you're gaining instead of this one little sliver that you're giving up that was actually limiting you in the first place. So that's that's the first belief we we hacked is that you need alcohol to enjoy yourself over the holidays. Now the next belief we're going to tackle and this one's a little bit trickier is that I need alcohol to tolerate my family over the holidays. Now, I can speak for sure that I hadn't spent time with my family as an adult sober in a really, really, really long time. I don't get to see them that often. We live a couple states away from each other. So when we do see each other, we used to always be drinking. It's usually over a holiday and it's always drinking. Um, and it was definitely challenging for me to be around my family and not drink. Um, I didn't realize how much stuff that I was tolerating and using using alcohol to kind of numb myself to certain annoyances and certain discomfort and stuff. I didn't. I wasn't even aware just how much I was using alcohol to kind of get through certain things, and so that can be a little bit uncomfortable. And what I want you to know, so we're we're aware that, okay, we might be have using alcohol to kind of survive this experience with certain people, maybe traditions that you don't love or whatever it is. Um, But once you become aware that you were using alcohol to kind of manage yourself and that you go, okay, so what else is possible? Can I manage the discomfort of this situation in another way? Is there another thing that I can do to get through this? Or do I not have to do the thing? You know, is there a way for me to create um, a new way for me to manage this? And a lot of times it's giving yourself space, creating little um, 
escape routes for yourself in these holiday experiences. Um, and like little spaces like of sanctuary where you can kind of get away. And again, that goes back to like reimagining this holiday in your own way. Like, what do you really love about it? And what do you, what do you want it to be? What do you want it to be for your family? What do you want it to represent for yourself? Instead of being so tied to tradition and so tied to these conditioned beliefs that alcohol has to be part of this tradition, you know, you get to reimagine it and you get to also honor your boundaries. And so a lot of times when we become aware that we were drinking to tolerate something or someone and we start to go, okay, I'm not actually going to have to tolerate this anymore. When you remove the thing that was numbing you and you say that anxiety, that discomfort, it's there for a reason. It's telling me, I don't like this. So what can I do instead? And it gives you this, opens up this opportunity and doesn't mean you have to be mean. It doesn't mean you have to be, you know, like, I'm going somewhere else. I'm not going to participate in this. It just means you get to reimagine it with your boundaries in place. Like, hey, I know that everybody wants to take shots and do this thing. This is our tradition right now. While you guys are doing that, I'm going to take a walk around the block with my dog and go see all the Christmas lights. You know, don't try try to reimagine it in a way that isn't isn't um, cutting you out where you're just like, I'm not going to participate in this at all. Just add add something to your life that is joyful for you, that actually helps alleviate that discomfort, alleviate that anxiety and that stress. And, and then once you start doing that, you're like, oh, that's right. It's okay for me to have a little space over the holidays. It's okay for me to have a little thing, a little routine, a little ritual that I can do that helps me actually feel better and honor my boundaries, maintain your boundaries, and feel and feel really good about it instead of being like, um, I think a lot of times you you worry when you're not drinking over the holidays that people are like, oh, you're a party pooper and oh, you're no fun anymore. Um, I know those are some anxieties that we fear, but if as long as you're honoring what you enjoy and what you love and plan for it, think ahead, be like. I know this is going to come up and I know this person is going to trigger me. This person is going to really make it hard for me. Have a plan, have a script, have an idea of what you want to say, have, have an escape route ready, have a little place of sanctuary set up. Like if you're hosting in your own house, I know sometimes it's really tough to like escape your own party, but if you need to go upstairs into your bedroom or somewhere else, go out into your patio, take a walk around the block, have that idea prepared, have a plan so that when you get put on the spot, you're not, you don't kind of like crumble. You've like, oh, I've rehearsed this. I've prepared for this. I knew this was coming and I have a plan in place. I know what I want to say to this person. I know the boundary I want to uphold and I know exactly what I want to do. So these are some things that really, really helped me prepare to navigate the holidays. And guess what? It was never as bad as what I imagined. In fact, it was actually better. Like I said, these were my favorite holidays were the ones that I spent alcohol free with my family. And I am, the last two have been so good that I'm really, really looking forward to it this year. I have planned really cool trips um, and really cool experiences for my family. And I'm finding new ways to, to lead my family into new experiences that don't necessarily involve drinking, that don't necessarily involve, you know, 
the parameters of what alcohol always kind of put on the experience. And so that is something that is really, really cool. And you don't have to do it in a way that, you know, turns people off. You can do it. You can just hold the torch and be, just be like, I'm living my best life. I am super joyful. And I'm really excited about this experience. And that rubs off on people. Um, you know, one of the things I did for my son's soccer team last year is I hosted a Christmas party and, um, all the adults were drinking and I was a little awkward because I didn't know a lot of these families super, super well. And, you know, I put on my silly Christmas outfit, my, my Santa's little helper outfit. And I set up all of these games for these, they were like 11 year old boys at the time. They're called reindeer games. Look them up on YouTube. They are hilarious. Um, you will never laugh so hard. Some of these games are so stupid. And I had the best time throwing this party for my, my son's team. Like they put pantyhose over their heads with ping pong balls in the little sock part of it. And then they had to use the pantyhose to try and knock um, this cup down. And so they were on their hands and knees, all of them with pantyhose over their heads, trying to swing these little balls to knock things over. It was the funniest funniest night. It was so good. And demonstrating to people that like an alcohol free person can be loving, laughing their their ass off, like and having the best time like that's contagious. People look at that and they're like, Oh my gosh, wow, that's super cool. Like I, I thought she was going to be uptight and awkward. And instead, she's having a better time than all of us. And you know, that's not only have I proved that to myself, I've proved it to a lot of people. Um, and again, these holidays have been the absolute best. Um, so I wanted to also give you my top five tips for navigating the holidays. So we investigated two different beliefs. One, that you need alcohol to um, enjoy the holidays. We've kind of debunked that. You get to reimagine this holiday in whatever way you want without the alcohol. And then you get to investigate. How does this actually make me feel? This makes me feel a lot better than this old belief where I thought I needed alcohol, but I was waking up hungover and I wasn't able to like fully enjoy this holiday because I was feeling sick because I was poisoning myself. And then we've investigated the belief that you need alcohol to tolerate certain family and certain experiences. Um, and we've debunked that one that like, hey, recognizing that you need alcohol to get through something, those are some that is some signs inside your body that you need to be doing something differently. You need to be honoring your boundaries. You need to be creating your own traditions. You need to be creating your own holiday experience that you love, that isn't tied to you. It, it's it's no longer doing something you don't want to do and just getting through it with alcohol, right? Um, so here are my top five tips for navigating the holidays alcohol-free. So number one, I want you to visualize and imagine yourself having the best time ever. Okay, Thanksgiving is coming up. It's right around the corner. I want you to really just take a couple minutes, close your eyes, and imagine yourself enjoying it alcohol-free. Okay, you've got your non-alcoholic drink in hand. You're connecting. You're laughing. You're enjoying people. I want you to really, really visualize it and get really specific about the details, okay? The more you do this, the more the brain sees it as if it's already happening. Your brain, you're giving your brain like a future taste of a feel-good experience, alcohol-free. You are creating that possibility in your brain just by thought alone. And you're starting to release feel-good chemicals. The more you can really, really visualize it and really amplify the feel-good feelings that you want to have, 
it the brain starts to think it's it's actually happening. The brain really doesn't know the difference when you get really good at visualizing this. So your brain now is like, oh, this is a possibility. And just like I talked about that confirmation bias, how it can work for you or it can work against you. If you believe you're going to have a shitty time, your brain's going to like look for that, look for evidence. But if you have already created this belief that like, I can have a really good time. I can feel really good and I can enjoy myself. And I've seen it. I've pictured it. All of a sudden your brain, that confirmation bias is going to like work in your favor. It's going to look for evidence to make that happen. And it's going to be easier and it's going to be less clunky and it's going to be more familiar to your brain when those moments strike. You're like, oh, that's right. I can enjoy myself in this moment, alcohol-free. Right? So visualize, meditate on it, create that perfect environment for yourself, alcohol-free. Um, number two, we need to work on that mindset that instead of that you were giving up something by not drinking over the holidays, that you are gaining something. And this goes back to those two beliefs that we debunked. You really need to investigate those beliefs that keep coming up for you that I need alcohol because X, Y, and Z, or I need alcohol to tolerate or whatever it is, whatever those beliefs are for you, investigate them. Are they really, really true? And can you rewrite it or replace it with a new belief that better serves you and helps you create this experience in a positive way? And then evaluate how that one makes me feel. Hey, when I get to, when I get to think that I get to reimagine this holiday in a way that reconnects with the kid and myself, the joy that I used to experience in these holidays. I love that idea. What do I really want to do? For me, it was baking sugar cookies and going sledding. That for me was like, yes, I can still do those things. I love those things. Okay. So work on that mindset. You are not giving up something you are gaining. The more you can focus on what you have to gain. Um, hello, hangover free mornings. It is massive. Don't count that out. Imagine those hangover free mornings all holiday season. You don't have to gain 10 pounds over the holiday, right? You don't have to overeat leftover food in the morning. You don't have to overeat sugar cookies first thing in the morning because you're hungover. I used to do that. I used to overeat the Thanksgiving pie the day, the morning after because I was so hungover, right? All right. So next up, boundaries. I want you to be okay with saying no to certain things, all right? Honoring your boundaries, making and being okay with it. And it can be uncomfortable in the beginning and you might feel like you're missing out, but there is a, a new phenomenon called JOMO. So it's, it's the opposite of FOMO. Instead of fear of missing out, it's JOMO, joy of missing out. It is okay to say no to things. You are not going to ruin anyone else's time if you don't go to something or if you leave early or, you know, whatever it is, it is okay. And you can honor your boundaries and, and stay true to to this, to the decision that is right for you. All right. Next up, I want you to prepare and plan like a pro. Okay. So this goes back to visualizing yourself, having a really good time. What do you need to make that visualization come true? Um, one, you're going to need your non-alcoholic drinks. So have those at the ready. There are so many different brands out there that are available to you. Um, I'm one of those people who are like, I don't want something to pretend like it's alcohol. Some people love like I want a non-alcoholic wine or a non-alcoholic beer, or there's all sorts of non-alcoholic kind of like craft cocktails available now. Put it in a pretty glass and all those things. I don't necessarily want something that is pretending to taste or look like alcohol. I just want a tasty drink. And there's so many kinds out in there available now that have um, 
adaptogens in it, nootropics, which are basically herbal kind of supplements that tend to give you a little relaxed vibe. And um, those are great. I love those. And again, you're not going to want to drink five of them the way you would a glass of wine or a cocktail or a beer. You're only going to want two of them because you don't need to have that volume of liquid. And isn't that interesting when a, when a drink isn't boosting your dopamine and has that addictive quality to it, you don't need to drink five of them. Two is plenty and you're good to go. Um, so prepare, have your drinks at hand, have a script ready for what you want to say, have your exit strategy, honor those boundaries. All right. And the last one I want to give you is focus on new ways of rewarding yourself. So many people believe alcohol to be the reward, the treat at the end of the day, the, the treat for these parties. This is how you make the, the event a special occasion is with the alcohol. So what else can you do to kind of mark the event in a special way and give yourself a reward that isn't alcohol? So the best way to do this is to explore all the other ways you can boost your dopamine. All right. So this is called dopamine stacking because nothing is going to give you as high a boost as alcohol, as a ton of sugar, as um, drugs, right? All of those things are designed to give you this crazy high boost and then to make you crash afterwards. And that's what creates craving for more of it, why you can't stop eating the sugar, why you can't stop eating the pizza, why you can't stop drinking the alcohol, because it just takes you up in such a crazy high way that it crashes you with the dynorphin. And then you're like, I want more, I want more, I want more. So we need to learn how to stack dopamine in incremental ways that gives you a nice, steady, feel good buzz without that super big crash. So how can you do that? So I, th I say, try to hit things on all five senses. So you want something that tastes good, something that smells good, something that feels good. Can you have cozy clothes on? Can you, um, you know, have a soft blanket? Can you listen to awesome music? Um, can you uh, move your body? Can you dance? Can you, um, a cold water shower, lots of sunlight, all of these things, dopamine stack you. But if you're in that kind of party environment and you're like, how do I reward myself in this environment? You got to get really creative. You got to like say, all right, what do I really enjoy about this experience that I can go and pick out and, and put myself front and center in? For me, a lot of times it's spending time with the kids. I go and I'm like, hey, the kids are playing this little game. Let's go play some ping pong. Let's go sit and watch a Christmas movie together. Let's, um, you know, I remove myself from the adult situation sometimes and I go spend the time with the kids. And that's awesome because it's super nostalgic and you get to, you know, connect with them and their experience over the holidays. It's pretty awesome. Um, I also get in the kitchen. I start to cook. I start to, you know, I like to make a lot of things for people and I like to present. So that's how I keep myself busy. And I stay out of the things that maybe aren't so enjoyable, enjoyable for me anymore. Like, lots of drunk conversation, you know, perhaps that's not as exciting anymore or fun, but find the other things that you can enjoy and work on dopamine stacking for yourself so that you can give yourself a reward. And guess what? If you're going to eat the Christmas cookies, that's okay. For the first two years, I ate a shit ton of Christmas cookies. I did. And I loved them and they were great. So that's okay too. But just know that in the long term, you're going to have to dial back the sugar as well. Okay. So I hope these tips helped you guys and um, 
I know the holidays can be super, super challenging. And if you want some coaching that is going to be like, help you build a foundation to get through this season, um, I have an awesome course that I've put a ton of time and love into, and it can be done on your own time. It's called the Brave Course. And it's basically a seven-day um, coaching course that you pace out yourself, you do as as you go along, and it will kickstart your break from alcohol. Whether you want to take a 30-day break, whether you want to give it up for good, or whether you just want to cut back this holiday season, this course will help you change that mindset. It will help you create new possibilities for yourself, and it'll help you rewire your brain so that you're not believing you need alcohol to live your life, to participate in this world. So this is an awesome course to really just kickstart um, any type of you know effort that you want to put towards changing your relationship to alcohol. I have put my favorite lessons in here that were key to my transformation when it happened. I have read so many books, you guys. I have listened to so many podcasts on the science. I have gone done a deep dive on the science of alcohol and what it does to your body. And I have put the best cliff notes of this information in this program for you. I also went through a six month certification program through this naked mind. And so I have put a ton of these coaching tactics into this seven day program. So it's kind of like a boot camp, um, but it's done on your own time. And it's just me dropping a bunch of videos to you. They're short and sweet because I know how busy you are, but this can be done while you're folding laundry, while you're walking the dog, listening in the car, dropping your kids off at school. They are short little three to five minute videos that will start to change what you believe about alcohol because that's where it all starts. It starts up here. And when you change your beliefs, it changes the way you think and it changes how you feel. And that is how you change your behavior with something. It just all of a sudden clicks and you realize, I don't want to do this thing anymore because I believe something totally different now. And it's like a reverse brainwashing. It's like a, a reconditioning, but it does take time because you have been conditioned to drink, especially around the holidays, especially around the idea of celebrating and treating yourself and enjoying yourself. We have been so conditioned to drink for this experience in our life. And reconditioning yourself out of that, it does take time. So be kind with yourself, be curious, be compassionate, and know, but know, truly believe that you can change. I was a heavy drinker. I was a very big party girl. It was a huge part of my identity. And I'm a completely different person now. And it's the best thing I have ever done. It's the best thing I've ever done for myself. It's the best thing I've ever done for my family. And I want to help you get there because it's it's worth it. Okay. Thank you so much for being here today with me. And um, check out the Brave program. If you're not a part of my community, you can also go to my website, findmyselffree.com. That's where you'll find the Brave program. That's where you'll be able to join my community. And I send out exclusive coaching videos to you, um, all of the latest tips and tricks that I'm learning through neuroscience, through positive psychology, through women's health. And I send this all out to you in a weekly newsletter. Um, and if you want to hook up with me and do some one-on-one -on -one coaching, that's how I started. I started with a, with a book that taught me all the science about not drinking. And then I hired a coach because 
It was, I wanted to enroll someone in my success. I didn't want to mess around with it anymore. I knew I wanted this change for myself. And when you enroll someone else in the possibility of your success, when you, that means you're taking yourself seriously. You're holding yourself accountable. When you hire somebody to say, hey, I want you to coach me through this, that step alone, it practically guarantees your success. Because guess what? When I, when you hire me and I'm talking to you, I believe in you. I believe so wholeheartedly that you can change. There is nothing you can tell me that is going to make me say like, no, you can't change. I know I lived it. I know how bad it can feel. I know how bad it can be. And I lived it and I know there's another way and I know you can change. And so when you enroll someone else in that possibility, and not just me, any coach, I have a whole network of coaches. If I'm not your right vibe, I'm happy to refer you out to somebody that's more your speed. But when you make that step to say, hey, I'm serious about this. I, I want to talk to somebody. And just that step alone, it, you're on your way. You, you're going to change. You can't learn this information and start talking to somebody and not change. It's possible. It's just only a matter of time. So thank you so much for listening today. Um, I am here for you. Save this episode. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend. Please leave me a review um, on Apple Podcasts um, because this is a podcast. I made this into a podcast. So I'm also doing this on Instagram Live. So I'm waving to everybody on Instagram here. Um, Thank you so much. And um, as always, I'm with you. Let's go. Hey team, you've just listened to an episode of Find Myself Free. And if some part of this left you wanting more, if your curiosity has been piqued and your intuition is telling you, I'm ready for more, I'm ready to look at my relationship to alcohol and find out just how much it's holding me back, then check out my coaching offers at findmyselffree.com. For those ready to kickstart a change privately on their own time, I offer the Brave Course a seven-day program to shift your mindset around alcohol and connect with your future self. This is chock full of all the information that was key to my transformation. If you're looking for additional support, I also offer one-on-one coaching. I worked with a coach for four months at the start of my alcohol-free journey, and it made all the difference. Being able to talk to someone who knew what I was going through and could help me navigate my new world gave me a foundation of support I could build on And it's a big reason why I'm a coach today. I want to help others find their freedom and level up their health. If this sounds good to you, then connect with me at findmyselffree.com. Listen to that intuition that was telling you you are meant for more. I'm with you. You got this.